This morning I'm going to be talking about God speaking to us. Would you like for God to talk to you? Would you like for Him to tell you something? That'd be really interesting, wouldn't it? Do you think that God still speaks to people today? Yeah, He does. So, I remember wishing that God would talk to me. I remember wishing sometimes that God would just tell me how to live so that I would know everything to do so that I could live right for God. Well, I have three stories this morning. And I forgot my book. I left it there on the bench. But two of them are from around this time. Or I say around this time. They're from the past. But they're people that some of you may know. The first story that I have for you is some of your great grandfathers from from him okay chester heatwell would be a great grandfather wouldn't he for some of these children wesley that's what i was thinking mommy what's heaven like in the peak community lived a sweet six-year-old girl do any of y'all know where the peak community is see some hands back there in the back well, there's a church up close to the mountains called Peak Church. It's in that community where this story happened. Okay, It's not very far away from where Clayton lives. In the commu- Peak community lived a sweet six-year-old girl. One day she began asking her non-Christian mother many unusual and strange questions about heaven. Her mother was very surprised and wondered why such a young girl would ask such questions. But God has some very unusual ways of speaking to mothers and to communities. Sometimes he even uses little girls. The next day, the little girl was run over by a dump truck and killed. Her questions about heaven and her death spoke loudly to her mother and the whole community. Everyone was deeply touched and their minds were drawn heavenward. Many times God allows unusual things to happen in families and communities and in the world to get the sinners as well as the saints' attention. Why was that little girl asking about heaven the day before she died? Did she know she was going to die? Probably not. But God was speaking to her heart and through her, God spoke to her community. I have another story for you called the Oregon story. My aging mother decided it was time to downsize so she planned to have an auction. I immediately thought of the Oregon. Even if we got nothing else, I wanted that organ. Daddy had bought it years before, especially for me. About a month earlier, John Swartz had preached a sermon about living frugally. He gave illustrations such as the following. For 50 cents, medication can be purchased in India to treat one child's eyes for prevention of blindness. So every time you spend 50 cents on a soft drink, instead of giving the money for this purpose, some child in India could go blind. Now, as the thought of the organ flashed through my mind, God seemed to say, you don't need that organ. Though it wasn't easy, I yielded my desire to God. On the day of the sale, I knew I wouldn't be bidding on the organ, but I was curious to see who would buy it. Near the end of of the day, the organ was up for bids. The auctioneer started off at $100 and then quickly went down, as auctioneers do, to a starting bid. When When he said $5, our youngest son, Tim, put up his hand. The auctioneer immediately said, Sold, you need it. 
All day, Tim had been holding items up for bidders to see. So the auctioneer was rewarding him for that. What a surprise that was. It was as if God gave the organ back to me. Yes, it's Tim's, but the organ will be here for me as long as Tim lives here. The next morning, I woke about 2 a.m. and God seemed to say to me, I was testing you as I tested Abraham. I said, now you know I love you, Lord. He replied, and now you know I love you, Martha. Later, I told the auctioneer this story. He said that he didn't know why he knocked off the organ, knocked the organ off so fast, since he usually doesn't. Now he knows. This is a wonderful experience. Thank God that he gave me the courage to be faithful under test. Did you recognize anybody's name in that story? Yes. John Swartz, that's right. So there's a couple different ways that God spoke in that story. Can you think of any ways that he spoke? Did he speak did he speak through the preacher? Yeah. Did he also speak through a voice, a still small voice in the mind of the person? That's right. God talked about God talked to him that way. You know, I had an experience kind of like that one time when I was trying to make a decision about something. And God gave me a picture, that same picture of Abraham and Isaac. And right away, still small voice said in my heart, I want your love, not the sacrifice. And that helped me to make that decision. So God can speak to us today. Isn't that great? And you know, God has told me how to live over the years in many ways. There's a lot of different ways that God has spoken to me. Sometimes it's been through the preacher. Sometimes it's been through other people. Sometimes it was through my parents. Sometimes it was through friends. Sometimes it was through situations. Sometimes it was through nature. But you know what? There was also times when I didn't do what was right. And as I look back at those times, you know what I think was happening? I wasn't listening for God. I just was trying to do my own thing. I was wanting to do things my way. Do you think God wants to speak to us? He does. The only problem is sometimes I think we're not listening. Are you listening for God? And how do you listen for God? Does He always talk like I'm talking to you today? Is that how God's going to speak to you? Probably not. But it might be something that He says to you today through somebody. So I want to read a story from the Bible. It's a story about a young boy that God talked to. you have any idea who that might be? Any of you? Who was a young boy that God talked to? David. I think he talked to David. Yes, I'm thinking about somebody else. Yes? Samuel. That's who I'm thinking about. That's good. I'm going to read you about that. I'm going to read you that story from the Bible. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. So it's saying that Samuel served the Lord with Eli. 
and that there weren't people weren't hearing from God much in those days. And here's what happened. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. Ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he went unto Eli and said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he call thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood and called, as it had at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel, at which time both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. I'm going to skip a few verses and go to verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son? And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord hath said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God, do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he hath said unto thee. And Samuel told him every whit, and hid nothing from him, and said, and he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let and did let none of his words fall to the ground, and all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. So, basically to sum up the story, it goes like this. Samuel was at the temple with Eli, and they were laying down to sleep at night. And Samuel heard somebody calling, and he hopped up, and he went to see what Eli wanted. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down. And he went and laid down. And after a little while, he heard somebody calling. And he hopped up and he went to Eli. And Eli said, I didn't call you. And then after the third time, Eli said, you know what? God's speaking to you. You need to just ask what he wants. And then the next morning, so, Eli, so God told Samuel. And the message that God told Samuel wasn't a very good message. It was kind of a bad message. And Samuel didn't really want to tell Eli about this bad message. But he did. He told him everything. So there's a couple of things I think we can learn from this about how we can listen to God. How we can hear God. First of all, Samuel had a willing heart. Think about it. If somebody calls you to come do something, or you hear somebody call and you go to them, 
And they say, oh, I didn't want anything. And then, they, and then you hear them call again. Are you going to jump back up and go again? Or are you going to think, well, they didn't want anything last time. They probably don't this time. Just stay where you are. Maybe it's something worse yet. Maybe you don't listen right away when somebody calls. None of y'all ever did that, probably. But I did sometimes. I have before. See, that's not a willing heart. A willing heart is right ready to go when somebody calls. It's right ready to do something. Samuel had a willing heart. Another thing that Samuel had was a respectful heart. He respected Eli. He knew Eli was older than him and knew more than he did. And not only did he know more, but he also realized that Eli was a man of God and he had served God. And that brings us to another point. Samuel had a trusting heart. He trusted that what Eli told him was the right thing to do. And so he obeyed Eli. And last of all, Samuel had an honest heart. And even though he didn't want to tell everything, he still told everything that Eli asked him. So what can you learn from that? Is that your heart? Is that the kind of heart you have? And the way that you can tell is you're going to have to think about your own heart. Do you respect those around you? Are you respectful? Especially of the people that are in authority, like teachers and parents. Do you have a respectful heart? Do you have an honest heart? Do you tell the truth? Do you have a trusting heart? Do you trust that your parents want what's good for you and your teachers? Do you have a willing heart? Are you ready to do what you're asked? How do we know that these things about Samuel's heart? How can we tell that this is the kind of person that Samuel was? It was because of the way he acted. It was what he did. So it's not just about how he felt inside. It was about what he did. Is that how it is with you? Do you do what you know you should do? Because if your heart's telling you what you should do and you don't do it, then you're not really showing what's in your heart. You're showing something else in your heart. Something that's not so good. And you know what? That might keep you from hearing God. So, when I was young, I told you when I was about five or six, I remember this time that I believe God was speaking to me. I didn't hear any voice. I didn't hear anything. It wasn't somebody talking to me. I was out in our pasture field and I remember looking up towards the sky and inside of me welled up this strong desire to do what was right and to serve God. And I remember just telling God that I wanted to serve Him with my life. I believe that was God speaking to me. And you know, I found that God has wanted to speak to me a lot of times since. And sometimes I was listening. And sometimes I wasn't. And I wish I'd have been listening all the time. Because I'd have made better choices. Because God wants to show us how to live. So we, But we have a job to do. We need to be getting our hearts ready to listen to Him. 
we don't listen to him, we'll get off to a bad start. Thank you all for your attention. You can go back to your parents. So as I thought about this message, I thought about some things that I wanted to also share with the parents. Because I think that we need to be thinking about what our children are experiencing and what they might experience. And as parents, to help them to go through their young years and the voice of God speaking to them and be able to guide them through that so that they can recognize His voice. So they can experience Him. So I have a couple things to say to you parents. A desire to do right is not particularly an indication your child is ready to become a Christian. I think that children at very young age have a desire to do what's right that springs out of their innocence and the way that that God has planted the conscience in their heart. You see, we come to Christ not because we want to do right, but because we recognize our sinfulness. And so, when your child is coming to do to you and wanting to do right, they can say yes to God without the Christian commitment. But there's going to be a time in their life where they're going to recognize their sinfulness. And then that is the time when they, when they recognize who they are as a person, that they are not who God wants them to be as a person, then they're at a place where they can make that commitment. There's another thing that I want to talk about in relation to that too. And, and, that's, and that needs to be a voluntary recognition. So they need to come to that of their own accord. But there's something else that that I'm very concerned about in relation to this. And that is that not only does it need to be a voluntary recognition, there also needs to be accounting of the cost. So your child needs to be explained. When they come to you with a recognition of that, you need to explain to them that they're going to have to give up everything that they are to come to Christ. And you have to leave that up to them voluntarily. And you have to give them the freedom to continue to wrestle with their sinfulness. You're not just... You you want your children to be a Christian, but you want them to be a real Christian. And for them to do that, they have to wrestle with the cost of discipleship. The cost of following Jesus is giving everything to God. It is not just accepting something into your heart. It is giving yourself up because I'm not who I need to be. And many, 
there's changes that are happening in the Mennonite church. And one of those changes is that I'm observing, maybe this is different in other areas, but people are not responding at revival meetings as much as they used to be. And a lot more people, young people, are going to their parents. And wonderful, praise the Lord, if they're going to their parents with their need and expressing their sinfulness. But that puts a responsibility on the parents that we need to guide these children properly through the process of becoming a Christian. And so I just say that to encourage you to think through the process of salvation and what God is asking. And we want our children to become followers of Jesus. And we don't want to discourage them. You can always tell your child, say yes to God. But when they come in their sinfulness, then explain to them, this is going to be giving up your reputation. This is going to be giving up everything to God. Are you willing to do that? Are you ready to do that? And they may have to wrestle for a time before they come to that place. So let's help our children, help our young people, help the next generation to a real salvation experience, to a real experience of following Jesus. Uh, one more thing that I'll mention about that is that I was talking to John Coble some time ago, and he wrote a book called um, Journey Unto God. And his motivation behind that book was that there were young people that he was meeting who had committed their lives at a young age and were up in their upper teens and were struggling. And he said the reason that they were struggling was because they hadn't really personally learned to know God. And so that tells me something about that we need to be aware of. We need to be thinking about how can we help our people, our young people, learn to know God through that process of those early years so that maybe they don't have to face that struggle down the road. For all of those this morning who weren't up here, so that's parents and otherwise, I think we can take something from Samuel's example as well. We as adults have a lot more tendency towards attitudes and prejudices than what children do. Do those things sometimes get in the way of us hearing God speak? What did Jesus mean when He said, except you be converted and become as little children? Isn't it the innocence and openness of a child that we see like in Samuel, in the example of Samuel, that Jesus is calling us to as individuals? Just this week, God spoke to me through a preacher. I had a bad attitude. And I expressed that bad attitude to my wife. And it was not something that I would have said to the person's face. And the next morning, a preacher said, if you don't, if you wouldn't say it to their face, you shouldn't have said it. Was I putting myself in a place where I couldn't hear God? Well, if I wouldn't have responded to that, if I wouldn't have repented of that, if I wouldn't have gone back and told Dana I shouldn't have said that, 
then I think I would have been in that direction. I'd have been going in that direction. So we need to be attuned to what God is saying to us. And then last of all, I just want to go back over those things. Do you have a willing heart? Do you have a heart that's willing and ready to serve God, whatever He asks you to do? Do you have a respectful heart? Do you have a heart that's open to the people around you, and especially those who are in authority over you? Do you have a trusting heart? Do you trust that God will show you the right way? And last of all, do you have an honest heart? Because if we're not willing to be honest with ourselves, we're not going to hear God. That's one of the keys in Luke. Uh, in Luke's example of the four soils, the end of that passage, he says, the honest and good heart is the one that bears fruit. That's the one that hears from God. So may we be people who hear from God.